notes on that. How many of you, and I'm not looking, how many of you are control freaks? Point at someone who is. Come on, spouses are, yeah. If you're married, you're married to a control freak, right? I mean, that's part of life. Y'all are really getting into this. This is good. Maybe we need to have a little group therapy here for a moment. Just talk about it. I was reading a psychological report a few weeks ago, and I thought it was very interesting that the psychologist was talking about the root cause of a lot of anxiety and a lot of panic attacks. And a lot of times we treat the symptoms, medicine treats the symptoms, but the, the psychologist said control and the desire to control things, especially an over uh, desire to control things leads to a lot of our anxiety and a lot of panic that we have. It's a, it's a big part of our life, though, because all of us struggle with that. We want to control people. We want to control things. We want to control situations and circumstances. And the next three Sundays, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about uh, this week and next week what we can control, and it is fairly limited, by the way, what we can. And then three weeks from now, we're going to talk about what we can't control and what do we do about those things that we can't control because those are the things that do cause us a lot of stress, unnecessary and undue stress. But this morning, we're going to look at a lot of different Scriptures. I'm going to preach a little different than I normally do. So uh, the Scriptures will be on the screens. You might take notes. You, you can write these down. probably hard to follow unless you're really a speed Bible flipper person. You can real quick, but you can write them down, you can look them up with us. But I want us to talk about control in regards to you and God. And I want to begin with this point. God has given us, God has given us a lot of control in regards to our relationship with Him. Now, the very first part of this, I'm going to lay this foundation. So it's important that you listen. This is not some humanistic uh, mindset. This is not some kind of uh, weird take on the Bible. You and I have zero control over God. How many of you agree with that? You have no control over God. We do not have any control over God. Zero. But, very interesting, God has given us a lot of control over what happens with us and Him. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter of the Bible, it says, God said, let us, I like that, that's the the Trinity there, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's make man in the image of a monkey, and then over time, he's going to evolve. Is that in y'all's Bible? That's not what it says, is it? It says, let us make God, God said, let us make man in our image. Now, God's image doesn't mean blonde hair, blue eyes, or red hair, whatever you are. What it means is it means we we are, are made uniquely different from all the other creation with an ability to interact with and to know God. Listen, I love my dogs. My dogs are, I I believe dogs are going to be in heaven someday. I do. I'll argue with you about that after church. You want to argue about that. I believe that. I know my dogs are. They're wonderful Christians. But, you know, they are home right now. They're wonderful Christians, but they're home on a Sunday. They're not worshiping. They're in the backyard asleep are chasing a squirrel because to my dogs, the, the, uh, you know, the mass murder and a squirrel, the bark is the same. So they're, they're not home worshiping God because they don't have the ability to. That's an ability you and I have. From the very beginning, God made you and I unique. We have an ability to interact and to know God like no one else. And, and the rest of the Bible, in Genesis, two chapters later, men, man, woman, Eve, with a little help from Adam, they blow it, Right? 
And so the rest of the Bible is God chasing after us. The Jesus story is Jesus, God becoming man, being born of a virgin, living here on this earth, 100% man, 100% God, dying on the cross for your sins and my sins, not for his, walking out of the tomb to conquer death, to give us the opportunity to have a home in heaven and to have a better life here on this earth. In 1 Corinthians, if you're taking notes, I'm going to share something that won't be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it tells us that we were created for fellowship with God. You were created to know God and to fellowship with God. In John 16, it talks about Jesus said the Holy Spirit's coming. And one of the things the Holy Spirit's even trying to do this morning in hearts is he's trying to draw you to Jesus. He's trying to convict you and bring you to Jesus Christ. So the, the story of the Bible is God trying to get our attention and get us to interact with him and to know him. And right at the very end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, verse 17, just a few verses left in the Bible, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires of life take this life without price. In other words, the final words are in the Bible. God's saying, the door's open. I want you to come to me. You can come to me. Folks, it's just an amazing thing, tremendous thing, is that the God of the universe who writes the rules and who made the rules, we don't make the rules, has said, I am opening it up for you to know me. Now, the catch is... You must come to God. I'm not a fatalist. I don't believe it's all laid out fatalistically. I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. I believe God's made us in his image, and we have a choice. But with choice comes tremendous responsibility. With choice comes control. God's laid the control panel, the control handle in your hand and in my hand. Again, I want to say this. You don't have any control without God giving it to you. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it says, uh, Paul was talking to a bunch of people, and he said, in God we live and move, and we have our being. Folks, if God decided you never would move again, you know what? You would never move again. Amen? If God says that you, you're, you're not going to breathe another breath, you will die. I mean, we don't do anything without God enabling us or allowing us to have that or do that. So when I say God gives us control, it is God giving us control. But I want to say this one more time. With control comes tremendous responsibility and accountability. In other words, everything we're going to talk about here, God's put it in your hands. You want to control the weather, you can't. You want to control the saints, you can't. I want to control the cowboys and make them lose every week. And I can't, but they're doing a good job right now of that. Amen? My granddaughter sitting right in front of me loves the cowboys. She just gave me one of those papa. I hope your day goes horrible, look. You want to control your husband? Let me give you a, a help, woman. You can't. Men, we want to control them. Amen? Yeah. Cowards, yes, you do. We can't. They are uncontrollable. Okay, let's try this. I'm going to embarrass you, men. Women, do you want to control that guy you're married to? So they'll raise their hand. You bet we do. Absolutely. Okay, but here's something you can control. You can control what happens with you and God. I'm going to give you four areas this morning that I think are very important for us to understand. Here's the first one. Number one, you, you have control of whether or not you have a relationship with God. God's done everything. God did all the heavy lifting. 
Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus arose. The Holy Spirit's here to grab your heart, to pull on your heart. And then he puts a control in your hand and says, you have control whether you have a relationship with him or not. Wow, what a wonderful and scary thing that is. Folks, here's something I, I heard recently. I hear people say uh, uh, fairly often, we're all, we're all children of God. That's not true. That is not true. Do you know that's not true? We are all creations of God. We are all a special, unique creation of God. But you become a child of God when you give your life to Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, something we have to do, he gives the right to become children of God. You become a child of God when you give your life to Jesus Christ. The control is in your hand. God's done everything. The Spirit's wooing you and calling you. You've got to choose him. Revelation 3, 20 Right at the end of the Bible again, towards the end. I love this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Scholars, a lot of them would say that was written to Christians about coming back to God. I believe that, but I believe it's also written to people who don't know Christ. There's a beautiful painting about this where it shows Jesus on one side of the door knocking and a person on the other side of the door. Here's the catch. The, the only handle to get in is on the side of the door where the person is. Folks, it's, a, it's an awesome thing and a scary thing. But if you want to have a relationship with God, you can have it. God's put the control in your hand. You've got to say yes, and you've got to act on it. Quit making excuses. Quit using some theological mumbo-jumbo. When God says, I'm knocking at the door, and you can open it, then you're in control. You have the choice whether you do or not. You can have a relationship with God. Is that not wonderful? No, it's really not. It's terrible. It's like the IRS, right? Yes, it's great. Okay, I'm going to hold you accountable for this. How many of you have President Trump or President Obama's cell phone? If you do, you raise your hand. I promise you, I'm catching you right over here. We're making a call. I have some suggestions for them right right after church. Nobody does. So is it safe to say that nobody in here has a personal relationship with with President Trump or President Obama, right? Okay, I'm going to hurt your feelings, but that's part of being a good pastor, right? You probably never will. And it's not that they dislike you. It's just that they got 100,000 other people in their lives, and they're probably never going to call me up and go, hey, man, you want my cell? Let's stay in touch. Because to have a relationship, it takes two. Especially if it's someone who is unique and different and set apart like a president. And again, I don't mean to be mean, but the president's probably not calling you saying, let's hang out and eat pizza and give me some suggestions about North Korea. But you know what? The God of the universe looks at you this morning and he says, I've crossed every barrier that has to be crossed. I'm putting the ball in your hand. I'm putting the control with you. And I like the word control because it, it, it dictates more of a sense of urgency. If I look at a bowl of ice cream today and say, I have a choice whether I have that or not, that doesn't sound like a big deal. But when I say have control, that means I'm responsible. You have control whether you have a relationship with God. And the great news, you can exercise that and do it. Let me give you a second thought this morning, which I think is exciting, especially if you're a Christian or if you, you want to become a Christian. You're exploring it and you want to know what it's about. 
the second thing this morning is, is you have control over how close you are to God today. See, some of us may, oh, man, I wish I could be close to God. I wish I could be a super saint. I wish I could know God like other people can. You can be as close to God as you desire to be. And first, excuse me, Second Chronicles 15, 2, way over in the Old Testament, it says, he went out to meet Asa and, and said to him, hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Who's, in, who's God throwing the ball to there? Jeremiah 29, 13, you see the intensity of this. You will seek me and find me when you come after me, half-heartedly apathetic and when I fit into your schedule. That's not what it says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. In our memory verse this month, James 4, 8. One of the, to me, one of the great verses in the Bible, especially for a, a Christ follower, draw near, near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God is the, is the picture of purpose and intent. It's you saying, I want to know God deeper. I want to know God better. Quit being religious. Quit being a Pharisee. Quit just trying to memorize the Bible so you can win an argument. I want to know God deeper. You can never exhaust that. You can spend the rest of your life going after God, and, and God is inexhaustible. You can get as close to him as you want, but he says it's on my terms. You've got to cleanse your hands. It amazes me, I, and, and that, this is the advent of the, the Internet, which is so many good things on the Internet, but you also see a lot of goofy things religiously. People write stuff. They say stuff about God, about church, about prayer. It's just so goofy. You can't live how you want and be close to God. God wrote the rules. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Well, I'm just going to sleep with my girlfriend and boyfriend, but, man, I'm going to have a great relationship with God. I'm just going to not like people in my church. I'm going to have a great relationship with God. I'm going to be arrogant. I, nobody can tell me what to do. I have all the answers, but I'm going to be close to God. Let me let you in on a secret. No, you're not. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Get rid of the junk. Purify your hearts. See, a lot of good people today... God is a priority, right? Family, God, football, kids maybe, sports, work, God. And we work God in that priority. God doesn't want to be a priority in your life. God wants to be the priority in your life. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And come after me, and God says you can be as close to me as you desire to be. Is that not awesome? See, some of us today, here's the story of some of you today. I used to be close to God. I used to have an intimate walk with God. And I used to have a lot of hair. Don't live in the past. You can be as close to God as you set out to be. This is the story of an older couple. It's been told before. It's funny, but it's good and illustrates well. Bubba and Bertha have been married 60 years. They're in Bubba's truck driving one day. She's sitting on this door. He's sitting on this door. That happens at marriage, doesn't it? It's funny. You're dating and you sit side by side and you say, I do, and it's like they go to the door. You ever notice that, men? And so they're driving along, and, and Bertha says to him, she goes, I, I'm just sad we don't sit close to each other anymore. He spits out the window. He said, who moved? 
Men, use that against your wife. Hey, if you're not as close to God as you once were, who moved? God didn't move. Oh, I want to know God deeper. You can. The control is in your hand. Don't make excuses. Well, you don't know how I was hurt by this church or this pastor. You don't know how I've been hurt by church members. You don't know how my parents were. And I'm not minimizing any of that. But at some point, you have to quit making excuses. And if you want to say, I want to go deep and far with God, the controls in your hands, do it. Do it. Years and years ago, 30-something years ago, I preached uh, an exodus where Moses comes down the mountain and his face is glowing. I preached it here too. But, but it was a Sunday night, about 30 people in this little church. 30, 40, 50, and after church, and a man came up to me, and he said, Preacher, we all can't be Moses. We all can't be Moses. That wasn't my point. I wasn't saying buy a robe and a staff and sheep and go walk in the desert. What I was trying to illustrate is when you get, Moses spent 40 days with God. The, the whole point is when you saturate yourself, you pursue God, it changes your life. And you can grow as deep and, and far with God as you want to. Listen, but the control is in your hand what you do with it. Let me give you a third thing. You have control over your life being fruitful and effective. What does it mean to be fruitful and effective for God? It, it means a life that matters. A life that's impactful. A, a life that makes a difference. That you win people to Jesus. You disciple people. You use the gifts God's given you to, to bring glory and to help in the church and to help the cause of God. Your life brings glory to Jesus. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the source. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who will bear much fruit. doesn't say you might bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it describes a person who is a Christian and who walks with God. It says this person, the evidence is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Listen, you can't determine the gifts that God gives you. Here's the cool thing. You're not a Christian you can become a Christian today and leave here on your way to heaven and have a spiritual gift. Isn't that neat? God gives everybody a spiritual gift. You don't ter- determine your gifts. L- Linnea's got a gift of music. I don't have that. Folks, I could go to Juilliard. I could train for 50 years, and I would never be asked to sing in a praise team. I'm telling you. Or it'd be one of those kind of things they'd put me over there in the drumming thing <laughs> with no mic. Yeah, you can sing. Sing in the baptistry. But I think, and please don't be ugly, I think God's given me a gift of preaching. It's my, but it's, you know what? It's within my control to use it. Some of you have been called to do things, you're not doing it. Or you have gifts and you're not developing. I know you're busy, I know, I know. You got a lot going on, priorities, things like that. And so you're, you're, you're not being fruitful. God's not using you like he wants to or like he can or sadly like he used to. And you're blaming it, you know, you're busy, you're tired, you don't like the music guy, you don't like the, the color of the carpet, whatever it is, there's a thousand excuses. The bottom line is I don't determine how God uses me, I determine if God uses me. See, God wants to use you. 
God wants to use me. God wants us to be fruitful. In fact, God says, listen, you're just the hose. I'm, 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 the, I'm the water source. The problem is a lot of us got our hoses tied up in knots or we got the car parked on them or they're full of concrete and nothing can get through. God says, clean it up, straighten it up, and let me use you. Isn't it scary and isn't it wonderful that we can be fruitful and effective for God and he's put the control in our hands. My dad wrote something in my Bible years ago. He said, to be much for God, you must be much with God. You know why God's not using some of us much? We're just not very much with God. The control's in our hands. You want God to use you. You want your life to be effective in the matter. It absolutely can. And I'm going to tell you, someday when you stand before God, you're going to give an account. I'm going to give an account for what we did with what he gave us. But what a cool thing. Our life really can matter. And let me give you a fourth thing this morning. And I think this brings it all together. And I think it's very important. You have control of whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. Here's what I hear semi-regularly, and I've heard it for years. How can a loving God send anybody to hell? I don't believe he does. Do I believe people go to hell? Yes, I do. But I don't believe God sends them there. Let me make a biblical uh, statement for that. Let's begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. It, it's pretty clear from that passage. God wants you to be saved if you're not saved. God wants you to go to heaven. God's got to draw you. God's got to call you. Absolutely. And I believe he is. Second Peter 3, 9. Boy, what a great verse this is. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. The promise of his second coming. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to repent. Boy, how do you get around that? God wants you to go to heaven. And then John three sixteen verse through 18, wonderful verses. God so loved the world, gave his only son, that anyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Folks, over in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus said that hell wasn't prepared for you. Hell wasn't prepared for me. He said hell was originally prepared for the devil and his angels. So the next time someone says to you, how can a loving God send someone to hell? You need to respond back. God's not going to send them to hell. We send ourselves to hell by rejecting Jesus Christ. Your hand is on the control thing. And I want to bring this together. I want to bring this together and tell you ultimately what we do to make this happen. It's we surrender our control to God. How, how do you enter into a relationship with Jesus? Your hand's on the control. You give up control. Here's my life. How do you constantly, Christian, grow closer to God? 
Your hand's on the control. You say, God, I'm coming to you and I'm giving up control of my life. How are you fruitful and effective? You quit trying to control everything and you give up control to God and say, use me. How do you end up in heaven someday? It's not going to be by a flip of the coin. It's by coming to God and saying, I surrender. I give up my control to you. Billy Graham was asked years ago. Billy Graham, you don't know who he is, probably the most famous preacher in the 1900s, a wonderful Christian man. He was asked, why did God choose to use you? And he goes, the way he did. Preached to millions and millions of people. He said, I have no idea. I can just tell you what I did. When I was 16, I came to Jesus, and I surrendered myself to him. I always wanted to be close to God, and I continually surrendered myself to him, pursued him. I said, God, here are my gifts and my talents, and I surrender them to you. I know I'm going to heaven someday because I surrendered myself to Christ. That's what he's saying to you today. Your hand's on the control. You quit making excuses. Quit blaming other people. Quit waiting for a better time, but to say, God... You're letting, I, I, I have the choice in this. I have the control, and I'm coming to you. That's what he's saying today, that he wants you to do. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to challenge you a little more in a moment with some things. I hope right now that God's knocking on your heart about what you need to do with him. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you right where you are this morning, pray with me. If you're sincere and you're ready to do this, pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a moment. Some of you just prayed with me and you asked Christ in your heart. Others of you didn't, but you're ready to. Maybe you want to talk after church. We would love to talk to you then. Maybe you're ready to come this morning when we stand. Hey, it's time for some of you today. You have the control. It's your choice to give that control up and to give your life to Christ. Will you do it? Maybe you'd like to join the church today. We'd love for you to. God's leading you to do that. You can do that after church or you can come this morning when we stand and join. God's leading you to do that. We need you and you need us. Come join us today. Christian, I don't know what God's saying to you, but let's hit on two things. How close are you to the Lord today? What are you going to do about it? Ball's in your court. Your hand's on the control. You're going to continue to be half-hearted with God, or are you going to move forward? Go with God, man. Go forward today, Christian. Some of you need to say to God again, man, here's my gifts, here's my talents. God, use me, use me, use me. And He will. He's not going to do it against your permission. Where you're standing at the altar, praying with a minister, 
Let's say yes to God today. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.